When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of com, with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy hump day, everyone. We're halfway there to the weekend, and not just halfway to the weekend, we're halfway to another Pittsburgh Steelers game as they get ready to play the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in Florida this Saturday night, 7 p.m. Pittsburgh time, so make sure you're getting out ready for that by keeping tabs on all things Steelers with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on the editorial side as well as anywhere you get your podcast. If you're listening to this on Twitter, maybe you're catching it on the website and you're just wondering, where can I get more of this? It's so much more than just my Let's Ride podcast. Make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcast. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. And I just want to add one more thing. If you're someone out there that has listened to the podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, mainly on Spotify even, as well as Apple Podcasts, give us a good rating. Give us a five-star. Leave a good comment. I mean, honestly, it helps. It really does. It helps push us up the analytics and and things like that. We get in front of more people, and we want to spread the message. We are definitely proud of our products, and we want to do that. So if you could do that, that would help us out greatly. There's a lot of news to cover. We are going to dive headfirst into the mailbag segment in the second half of this show. Had to ask the question a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, Back to work is a little bit crazy for me right now, So, but still... Uh, my rider or die crew did not disappoint. Asked plenty of questions. We're gonna get hit. we're gonna go through all of those in the second half. But we have a lot of news on Tuesday. The Steelers, just like every other NFL team, had to cut their roster from 90 players to 85. And the Steelers did it in a rather interesting fashion. Something that I wrote for the website earlier in the day on Tuesday was when it was being reported that Carl Joseph's ankle injury or foot and Anthony Miller's shoulder injury were of the season-ending variety. So when we hear that news, when we hear that, even if it was speculative at the time, you know it's the day that the Steelers have to trim their roster. So they're able to look at this and say, okay, well, they're going to go on IR. They're vested veterans, so they could be placed on season-ending IR. They wouldn't have to clear waivers, and that's two. So then they would only have to cut three more players. Now, Dave Schofield and I, and I always chuckle because I have no clue who to pick when we do our prediction of who they're, who's going to get cut. And so we ran that, I think, at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I actually got one of them right, but none of us saw Miller and Joseph going on IR. The Steelers actually made, they actually got rid of six players on their roster and signed one. They signed William Dunkel, who's a guard. And then with the Miller and Joseph going on IR, they are removed from the active roster. They also cut ties with defensive tackle, tackle Doug Costin, offensive tackle Jake Dixon, punter, uh, I think the last name is Nizielek, and center Chris Owens. Uh, so I actually got the punter correct, that they were going to release the punter. I didn't feel a need 
for them to carry an extra punter anymore. There's this is the final week of training camp at St. Vincent College. Two preseason games left. You want to get Presley Harvin more repetition. So I actually got that right. I believe uh, that Jake Dixon was someone that Dave predicted. So we got some right. Better than last year, I got zero right. Actually, last year I predicted that uh, Christian Kuntz would get cut, and he's still the long snapper on the team. So it shows you how much I know. So the Steelers had to make those moves, and came a little bit earlier than normal. Normally, the moves have to be made by 4 p.m. Eastern time. A lot of us, myself included, thought they would have a practice in before they actually made that announcement. They didn't. They made the announcement early. And so all of a sudden, here they are. Like I said, last week of training camp, injuries are going to be important. This is one of the last few days of fans being able to be there live, reporters being able to report what is happening live. This is the last week of some of the best times to be just a fan, even if you're watching from afar on Twitter. Those videos that get shared, the clips of game footage and practice footage, it's all going to go away after this Thursday's practice. But let's do some injury updates here before we go any further. After the IR designation for Miller and Joseph, a lot of people were worried. A lot of people on our staff were very worried about Calvin Austin Third. You know, he had that foot injury some had kind of speculated it might have been a Liz Frank. Well, we hear Liz Frank. You think about someone like Larry Ogunjobi who had to have surgery on his foot. I had heard it was a sprain. Nonetheless, Calvin Austin III was walking around in a boot, and on pra- practice on Tuesday, though, he didn't participate, but he had the boot off. He was out there a little bit, catching some passes, seems to be working his way back. So kind of breathe a sigh of relief when you're if you were someone that was really looking forward to seeing Calvin Austin on this team throughout the entire regular season. Now, you you will not see him this Saturday. Maybe, maybe if we all are lucky, you would see him in week three, but that might even be pressing it. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause a setback, but Calvin Austin III, he's getting close. He's at least starting that process of getting back. Marcus Allen, who's been hampered with a hamstring injury, he's getting close to returning. And so, and they, they did see some players come back. Uh, it was Monday. Najee Harris was back at practice, and they were doing some stuff with him. You know, if he got the ball and some defenders were around him, they blew the whistle, basically saying stay away. So he's back. Benny Snell came back on Tuesday. Chase Claypool has been back, and even Kendrick Green, who left Monday's practice with, I think it was either an elbow or a hand and wrist. Reports were all kind of swirling around there. He was back at practice as well. So, hey, that's good news for someone like Snell. When you have Jalen Warren, who – it was carrying a football around campus at St. Vincent College like it was the program and because he fumbled the ball on Saturday night. I mean, when you have all this stuff going on and Benny Snell's watching Anthony McFarland, Warren, and even Master Teague running wild on Seattle, he's got to be thinking, I got to get back. And so it's good to see him back, at least to give him a shot at possibly you know, making this roster. Now, before I go head first into the topic for today, I wanted to get something off my chest. Call it a rant, whatever. Whether you're talking about people on social media or whether you're even talking about our own podcasters on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network, I don't understand the overreaction. Was I excited when you had Kenny Pickett come in on Saturday night? You have Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph. They all looked good. They ran the ball well, scored 32 points. But at the same time, what did I tell everyone? Anyone that listened to my podcast just take it with a grain of salt, essentially. You know, Don't be blinded by the result. That's exactly what I told the listeners out there. Hopefully you listened. It doesn't mean there's nothing to be gleaned from this. But you need also fans that are listening to these shows, that are reading articles, seeing things on social media. Beware the overreaction. 
So we've had podcasters on this network that'll say it's just a first preseason game. And then in the next breath, talk about how horrible a player was and he might not make the team. I'm sorry, I don't see the connection there. If you're just going to brush it off like it's just a first preseason game, how on the same breath are you going to say that someone played poorly in that game and therefore they might not make the team? There were good performances, there were bad performances, but if you're going to take the stance that, well, you know, it's a good start, it's the starting point, it's the first part of the process, if you're going to take that stance and you're going to say that, okay, we just take a step back, it's see who they're playing against, then you can't belittle these players for that, for them making a mistake or for them not being maybe as advertised in their first action with the team. So for all these people out there that want to do what I hate the most, and that's let's say it's a first team drill. So I'm not a drill, but in the first quarter of the Steelers preseason game against Seattle at the AC, the Accra Shore Stadium, uh, you know, there's a player that played maybe 15 snaps. And someone out there, and there are people that are doing it right now, they're taking two of those 15 snaps and they are breaking it down and they're putting it on Twitter saying, look at this, this guy stinks. He played 15 snaps. There are sometimes where people play less than that. And there's people that go over their game tape with a fine-tooth comb and want to point out every little thing that happened. I understand this. You know, you listen to Dave Schofield on the Stat Geek. What does he always say? I want the data. I want the data. I want the data. And that's because he's a numbers guy. He wants to look at the statistics. He wants to look at the percentages and try to put together some form of narrative after the game. I get it. And there's people that are film room junkies, and they want to be able to put stuff together and draw conclusions. I get all of that. But at the same time, I also understand that when you talk about some of these players, whether they're a rookie, whether they're a free agent addition, or whether they are a veteran, no one that watched that game, and I don't care if you watched it in replay or watched it live, no one that watched that game last Saturday night cannot tell you that this has the look and the feel of a brand new team. It just does. The only thing that carries over are some of the leaders. We're talking Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Najee Harris, and the main leader in Mike Tomlin. Other than that, it feels completely different. So excuse me if I look at some of these players, even those that have been in the system for a long time, and say, maybe it's going to be, there's going to be an acclimation period. Everyone wants to just bash Devin Bush. Okay. It was a preseason game. And yeah, it was a, it was a sort of a continuation of last season, but ultimately, Are we going to judge him after that, just that? We're not going to give him a second chance, a second game, playing next to Miles Jack Moore. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Your response to this is important. And I don't mean you you responding to me on Twitter. I'm saying that your response to what happens on the field is important. And that ties perfectly into the title of this podcast. And that is that expectations now for the 2022 Steelers just got ratcheted up. They got ramped up significantly. You may be listening to the same, well, my expectations are still the same. Okay, I feel like you're in the minority if that's what you're thinking. Everyone that was watching that game, which, by the way, I believe that the Seahawks-Steelers game was the most watched preseason football game since 2015. And the reason why is the Steelers fan base is, number one, global, And number two, very interested in what's going to happen at a very key position, mainly a quarterback. No one knows. So everyone was watching. Everyone was engaged. And what they saw, it was not Mitch Trubisky tripping all over himself. 
It was Mitch Trubisky leading a touchdown drive the very first possession. Steelers win the toss. We want the ball, and the Steelers go down and score a touchdown. Hasn't happened a lot in the last five years. Mason Rudolph comes in. Bad start, good finish. George Pickens, beautiful catch. And now all of a sudden, everyone's even more excited. Then Kenny Pickett comes in. And the place, it feels like this. if there was a, a lid on that, it was going to blow off. If there was a roof on the act, it was going to just explode. But it, everyone was just so engaged and excited for that game. And what does Kenny Pickett do? First possession, he's moving the team. Scores a touchdown. Two-point conversion. Struggles a little bit. Then, after the Mark Robinson strip sack, they get the ball back. What does he do? Goes down, touchdown pass to Tyler Vaughns. They end up winning the game. I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. So now the fan base has their expectations for this team. They go up. And I hope, the only thing I hope is that if that's if that's the case for you, that your expectations now are higher, make it across the board. Make it across the board. But let's also keep in mind that it is still the preseason. These are still exhibition games. And you know Jeffrey Benedict on his uh, Cutting Room Floor podcast, which by the way, uh, our apologies. Uh, we had uh, an audio issue where we had the wrong show in early in the morning on Tuesday morning. So uh, it's been rectified. If you were someone that was driving to work on your commute and you like to listen, you're like, what the heck's this? They're talking about the lead up to the Seattle game. You can go back and check out Jeffrey's show. It is up to date. It's good stuff. And Jeffrey Benedict was talking about how the Steelers with Kenny Pickett in the game, they orchestrated drives that were basically trying to counteract what the Seahawks were doing. He almost said it like it was a bad thing. Similar to Brian Baldinger on Twitter, who said, you know, Kenny Pickett comes in, he's kind of dinking and dunking his way down the field, doing what he does. People on Twitter, because I shared that, said, is this a bad thing? Is, is he kind of bad-mouthing Kenny Pickett? And I'm like, I was like, no. No, neither of those should be considered negative. Jeffrey Benedict, I... I Trust exactly what he says. He was at the game. But if I'm Matt Canada and my first round draft pick is going into a game, I don't care if it's a week one preseason game or not, I'm going to give him the best chance to succeed possible. If that means I'm dialing up plays that I know are going to beat that cover two that they've been running on third and long every single time, I'm going to do it. I need to get his confidence up. So don't take that as it's a negative. Take that as the organization is trying to take care of a very prized product in Kenny Pickett. He is their first-round draft pick and hopefully the future of the position. And you talk about, you know, someone like Brian Baldinger who's saying, oh, Kenny Pickett, you know, he's just kind of dinking and dunking his way down the field. He's taking what the defense gives him. I was talking to a coworker of mine just the other day, and they were asking me about Kenny Pickett. I said, hey, Kenny Pickett cannot control who Seattle plays, meaning the players they have on the field. He can't control that. He just goes out there and is going to make the plays. Do you think that Kenny Pickett, if he had to dial up the receivers he was throwing to in his very first NFL action, even if it was in the preseason, he would be picking Tyler Vaughn's? Probably not. Jake Sternberg? Probably not. He'd probably want Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. He'd want the starters. He might work his way up there, but I just want people to know that the expectations are now going to be elevated for everyone, and that's okay. You don't want to step back. You don't want to see someone regress. That's the worst thing that could happen. But this is all about fan perspective. No one has higher expectations than the players that are on the field. No one has more 
pressure on themselves and the players on the field, especially those players that their roster spot is not guaranteed. And I'm talking about the players that are just scratching and clawing every single chance that they get because as this preseason progresses, we go to week two, we go to week three, for some of these players, their opportunities are going to get less and less. They might have played a ton in the second half in week one. They might play minimal snaps in week two, and they might play none in week three. So you have to think, is there any is there any more pressure they could put on themselves than that, that your NFL future with the Pittsburgh Steelers is on the line? The answer is no. Fans, it's okay to have your expectations elevate. It's okay for that. I, I honest, I'm honest with that. If you're now thinking, okay, we saw 32 points, we want to see equal put out, it's against the Jaguars, who are not the best football team. You want to see good execution. We'll talk about that on Friday. I mean, on Friday, we'll dive into what the Steelers need to do to really hone in and, and put a good product on the football field. Again, because I thought that they did that. But right now, I just want you all to – I just felt like expectations were kind of running wild. It's okay. Have some fun with it. But ultimately, keep it – all the way across the board. Don't just have high expectations for Kenny Pickett. Have high expectations for Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. Have high expectations for both the offense and defensive line. The running game and the run defense. The secondary. All of it. It's okay. Because it's going to get real, real soon. And it's going to get crazy to see how this 53-man roster gets divided. So, all right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back after this break, we're going to dive into the mailbag. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. fans back we're back second half wednesday mailbag you know what that means like i said i kind of hinted at this at the beginning of the show if you follow me on twitter at j hartman h-a-r-t-m-a-n underscore p-i-t and that's just the letter j by the way um i always put out the tweet typically around noon but because of my schedule i had to put it out early still had a lot of responses i apologize if you were waiting around at noon trying to look for it look for it if you just look at my profile you'll see it but still that's how you get a question answered if you're someone that's always wondering, like, how do I get my question answered? So let's get right into this. Southside Doc, the offensive line's run blocking showed improvement. Does the lack of pass blocking provide limitations to short or timing routes? Describe the interplay between run game improvement and the ability of the offense to stretch the field. Okay, so a lot of times, and this is a great question, and I un- unfortunately I don't have that analytical X's and O's mind that can be able to like try to mentally and and verbally diagram what's going on. But still, when you talk about pass blocking limitations, so the Steelers definitely wanted to run the ball. They did run the ball. Pass blocking was a little bit sketchy at times. I'm going to trust people like Jeffrey Benedict who says that it can be fixed. It could be fixed as soon as this Saturday. You want to make sure the starters are on the same page. Let me give you an example. So Kevin Dotson returns. If Kevin Dotson is out there with the starters in week two, does that make a difference? They still haven't solidified that top five. But when you talk about running the ball, yeah, it it, it does have an improvement in the ability to stretch the field based on the fact that you have quarterbacks now that are willing to be under center and play action pass. So one thing that Ben Roethlisberger almost refused to do at the end of his career was to get under center, 
put the football in the belly of a running back, take it out, turn his back to the defense, and then try for a big shot downfield. He wanted to be able to see the defense the whole time. He wanted to be able to see how things unfold. I get it. I understand it. But ultimately, this is a part of the Matt Canada offense. You run the ball well enough, and then you work off of that both the short, intermediate passes, as well as taking shots downfield. So the interplay between run game improvement and the ability to stretch the field is tremendous. And when you throw in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, and Najee Harris, people that did not play in week one, it should only be that much greater. It's going to be up to the quarterback to not sell the fake. They are going to have to run the ball and establish that run make the plays, but it absolutely does work hand in hand. All right, Corey Eckenrod says, do you run Rudolph with the starters this week to showcase his talents for a trade? What is his return if he is? All right, Corey. So I'm I'm not putting Mason Rudolph in with the starters. I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Tomlin does that. The one thing I have to concern myself with is what is the second half going to look like? So if I give Mason Rudolph, let's say I give him the same amount of time that Mitch Trubisky had last week. Well, that's two drives. That was it. And so what's going to happen next? Am I putting Kenny Pickett in next? Am I putting Mitch Trubisky in with the twos? How much is he going to play? If you think that Mitch Trubisky is your QB1, you want to get him some reps. In my opinion, what I would do, I would have Mitch Trubisky play a full quarter. And this is maybe not what I would want to do. It's what I'm predicting will happen. They're going to play Trubisky for about a quarter. He's going to get to see more game reps than what he did last week. In the second, I'm going to actually see put Kenny Pickett in. Kenny Pickett's been running with the twos in training camp this week. I would expect him to see better defense as well as better offensive playmakers around him. And I'm going to let Kenny Pickett play not only through the second quarter but into the second half. Maybe he plays some of the third. I'm going to put Mason Rudolph in the third, let him go out there, show what he can do, demonstrate his arm talent, all that stuff. And then in the fourth quarter, this is where I'm wondering where Chris Oladokun is. This is the perfect time to have him play. We'll see what Mike Tomlin says on Thursday. We'll talk about it on Friday. But you say to showcase what he can do. If an NFL team's interested in Mason Rudolph, there's plenty of film out there for them to see. The guy's played so many preseason snaps. He's played in 2019. He played last year. They have plenty of tape. I don't think there's anything else that he can show. Cheeseball 10. Who were you most disappointed with in the first preseason game that you looked to rebound in the second? So not this was not live. Okay, this did not happen live for me. This was more in hindsight and rewatching the game and also with the film rooms that we do at the behind the, behind the com. Jeffrey Benedict highlighted James Daniels didn't have a great game. And there were some moments where he had some brain farts. We'll put it that way. And I think that's the best way to describe it as a brain fart. He's a smart player. He's a good player. And like Jeffrey said in both article and podcast, you don't get a second contract in this league if you can't do something as simple as pick up a stunt. He wasn't doing that. I expected to improve week three. Good question. Zach Bauer asked two questions. Number one, do you think the Steelers would ever cut Benny Snell to give a roster spot to Jalen Warren. He looked really good on Saturday. Honestly, I do. I think that if the Steelers view Jalen Warren as more of a viable option, he and Anthony McFarland, than Benny Snell, Jalen Warren has proven he can give them special teams, tackles, coverage that Benny Snell provides as well. I don't think Snell's safe. I really don't. I'm not predicting he's not going to make the team. I could see them keeping four. They've done it in the past. 
But if they're keeping three, unless he shows out on Saturday, I'm not I'm not I'm not thinking Snell is safe. Now I don't think he'd get cut from 85 to 80, which will happen next Tuesday. I think it would be from the 80 to 53. Second question: What do you think about the rumors of Mason being traded by the end of this week? If he is traded, what can the Steelers get out of him? I don't believe it. I don't buy into those rumors. That was Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan that put that out there saying that he heard from a source. I'm sure the Steelers are at least picking up the phone. If someone calls them, maybe it's the New York Jets because uh, Zach Wilson's knee is banged up. Maybe it's, as Filipponi alluded to, the Detroit Lions. If someone's picking up the phone and calling Omar Khan, Omar Khan's going to listen. What are you going to give us? I always go back to Joshua Dobbs. The Steelers, I believe, got a fifth-round pick for Joshua Dobbs from the Jaguars. All right, if that's the going rate, Mason Rudolph is better than Dobbs. If someone says, hey, we'll give you a fourth, all right, you got a deal. Fourth-round pick, you got a deal, for sure. And the Steelers would be able to move on, and they'd be able to continue. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Might. Corey Eckenroth asked another one. Can Pickens unseat Claypool for wide receiver two? His trajectory and talent already seems higher than Claypool's. Here's what I'm going to say to that. What if it doesn't have to be one or the other? All right, you say wide receiver two. In Matt Canada's system, it doesn't matter. In Matt Canada's system, you have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and George Pickens as your top three, and they can all do their own thing from different spots on the field. So if you want George Pickens on the outside, okay, that's fine. That's where he's been practicing and playing. You want Chase Claypool in the slot? He's been practicing there too. Deontay Johnson, same. Pat Fryermuth, he's been in the slot. I just don't think that the Steelers fan base needs to get so fixated on a depth chart where wide receiver one, wide receiver two matters. In my opinion, it's more about the top three. How are you going to use them? And how are you going to make it work so that whenever they're on the field, they are going to maximize their overall potential? Hope that makes sense. B. Selfridge. He asks, there was a rumor tweet from a former GM, quote unquote, about Mason possibly being traded to the Lions by the end of the week. What are your thoughts on it? I don't care for Mason like most, uh, but he looked good in the preseason. I think he could beat out Goff in Detroit. So I kind of touched on this. If we're going to focus on the Detroit Lions, though, Jared Goff, I mean, they traded they traded some draft capital to the Rams to get him. I know they traded Stafford away, but they got Goff. I just don't know if Mason Rudolph would be an upgrade over Goff. So unless the Lions just want to bolster their depth, and I think if there's a team out there that says, we have a quarterback, but we would like someone with starts, with experience, and you know a good understanding of the NFL under his belt already, then Mason Rudolph could be your guy. Uh, if Mason stays, I'm fine. If they trade him, I'm fine too. If they get anything for him, I'm fine. So uh, there you go. Haskins QB1 says, hey, Jeff, if you're the GM of the Steelers, how would you handle the whole Devin Bush situation? Because it seems like he's still not trusting himself. Devin Bush had some interesting quotes before practice on Tuesday. Uh, He was asked, and and I got to be honest, these reporters, they asked some loaded questions, and the veteran-savvy players know how to dance around them. They know how to say the right things. He's not one of those players. He's He's obviously one of those players who was drafted in 2019. So in 2020 and 2021, the reporters were not in the locker room. They were not able to ask these type of questions. And now that there's microphones in his face, you see some of these young players who, even though they have a couple years in the NFL, 
man, they've stumbled over their words. They've maybe said the wrong thing. Think back to Kendrick Green saying, I didn't like playing center. Well, Devin Bush has said, you know, I'll be in the NFL next year somewhere no matter what. Okay, that's that's it. That's one way of looking at it. But still, from him as a player, kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the show, I'm not about to say it's over until I see him play alongside Miles Jack for an extended period of time. You know, they've been rotating Robert Spillane in there, and I'm going to say something that I'm trying to think who it was that, that suggested this. I think it was Dale Lawley who said that there's a possibility the Steelers run a lot of dime. If they run a lot of dime, they have three safeties, one of which could drop down into the box. It could be Minka Fitzpatrick. It could be KZ. It could be Terrell Edmonds. I would vote for Edmonds, and they would be alongside the linebacker, who would be Miles Jack in which case you wouldn't have Bush or Spillane on the field. You'd have more defensive backs. So they do have some options there. But if Devin Bush doesn't get his head right, and if he doesn't start playing the way that he's capable of, we know that he's capable of more, and capable of being a top 10 pick, he's going to be unemployed at the end of the year. We know that. Daily Joint Company says, I believe it to be fantasy, but if you were the GM, would you make a trade for Roquan Smith? Our inside linebackers, other than Jack, played play were were pretty bad. I want them to succeed, but not sure if that can happen. Smith would instantly be the best inside linebacker on the team. If so, what and who would you trade? This is an interesting situation with the Chicago Bears and Roquan Smith. He has said that he wants a trade. The Bears have not said they would entertain that thought, and this this gets this can get dicey. What's going to happen if they don't trade him? What are they expecting if a team does pick up the phone? So if Omar Khan picks up the phone and calls Chicago and says, hey, what are you all asking for Roquan Smith? What do you want? What are you looking for? They might say, we're looking for a wide receiver and we're looking for a high draft pick. Okay, next question, follow-up. Okay, we have receivers. What is a high draft pick in your opinion? It's got to be a day two pick at the least. Okay, so if we sent a receiver in a, in a round three pick in the next year's draft, would you trade Roquan Smith? Well, it depends on the receiver. Okay, well, we're not trading Deontay Johnson. We're definitely not trading George Pickens. Chase Claypool is still under our control for a long time, for the next two seasons. We don't have any interest there. Is there any other player on the team that you would like? This is where someone like Anthony Miller would be good. You're not getting rid of Calvin Austin the third, And unfortunately, no one else on the roster, even though Steven Sims had a great game Saturday, he's not going to be considered that guy, that guy that someone's going to say, oh, we'll make that trade because we want him. Chase Claypool might be that guy. I just don't think the Steelers are willing to get rid of him. So and when you put it that way, you'd part ways with a third-round pick possibly, but you're not willing to part ways with one of your playmakers basically means a deal likely isn't to get done. So just talking that out. All right, Lou, I think it's Rita. Hopefully I said that correctly. He said, big fan. Thank you. He said, based off the first preseason game and up to this point, name your running back one, two, and three, and which one gets released? Don't say Mateo Durant. I'm not going to say Mateo Durant did not look good on Saturday. Running back one's obvious. That is Najee Harris. Running back two. I think right now it's Anthony McFarland. He has played well. All reports from camp were that he has looked good in training camp. Our own uh, Daniel Jay was there in St. Vincent. So was Kevin Smith. They all said that Anthony McFarland, he looks bigger. He looks faster. He looks like he is what was advertised when he was drafted out of Maryland. Running back three, 
if as of right now, and that's the question you ask, I think that is Jalen Warren. And if it's Jalen Warren, that means Benny Snell is on the outside looking in. And I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. Thank you for submitting the question. Aiden Blaine says, Hey Jeff, what sneaky players do you think could push for a roster spot? Sneaky players. Um, I guess, do you consider someone like John LaGlue a sneaky player? If so, that's one of them. Uh, do you consider a Henry Mondo as a sneaky player? I don't think he's going to make the team, but maybe he would fit that bill. Uh, would you find someone like Marcus Allen, who's a fringe player in my opinion, if he made the team, would that be a sneaky player? Um, what about, you know, I'm trying to think about other players that could make the roster that would fit that description. It's tough. Uh, I think there's only a few roster spots that are left to be had, uh, but those are a couple names there for you. Tyler asks, hey, Jeff. I may have my black and gold glasses on too tight, but who cares? This is the most excited I've been for a season in my 20-plus years of being a fan. For a preseason game, last Saturday night was exciting and fun to watch. I feel this team has so much young talent, and it was on display in that game. What is it about this team that gives you confidence that this will be a successful season? To me, what gives me confidence is that the, the team scored 32 points Every single facet of the offense put up points. And I think the defense, who was basically playing nothing but second string players outside of, you know, your Miles Jack for a few plays. Um, trying to think who else was a starter. Cam Sutton was out there. Trell Edmonds was out there for a little bit. They, they didn't have their guys out there. That gives me hope. When you still play well and you didn't even play your starters, that gives me hope. So that that was, hey, and there's nothing wrong with saying that you enjoyed last week's game, and there's nothing wrong with saying it was exciting because you know what? It was exciting, and Steeler fans should have enjoyed it. Thank you for the question. B. Selfridge asks another one, do you think the quarterback lineup will be the same going into the next preseason game? I don't. I do not. Now, Mike Tomlin has said, uh, I guess, behind closed doors that they are following their plan. I'm not sure what that plan looks like in week two. But as I said just a few minutes ago, in camp and this week, Kenny Pickett has been getting reps with the twos. So keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about how the quarterbacks are going to be rotated this week. Hagan asks, will Bush make the roster? If he does, tell me why. I think he will. He's going to cost against the salary cap if he gets cut anyways, so you might as well keep him, even if it's for depth. Um, you, you, If you cut a top 10 pick, and the Steelers hate doing that. They hate admitting that they made a mistake. And the guy had a severe knee injury, so it's not as if it was 100% pure bust. I mean, there was that facet to this, but I, I think that's why. I, I think it's because he just isn't effective anymore, but they could keep him. They're not going to cut him. They're not going to cut him. They're going to hope that he turns it around, and if worst-case scenario, they keep him because they want to make sure they have depth, proven depth, on the roster. All right. Um, Matty Peverell says, who is your least favorite player that you think will make the 53-man roster? Then who is your favorite player that you don't think will make the 53-man roster? That's a tough question. So my least favorite player that will make the roster, I'm trying to think about players that uh, I'm not too crazy about. Uh, To be completely honest, it's the guy I just talked about. Uh, Devin Bush, his attitude. Uh, When you see some of these interviews, it, it's just, I don't know, it's just missing. Something is missing. Maybe it's, you know, Shannon White talks about it's the heart and the passion. I, I don't know if I can gauge that on a Twitter video. But when you watch him play, there's something missing, and that bothers me, and I think he's going to make the 53-man roster. And who's my favorite player that I don't think will make it? Well, if Jalen Warren doesn't make it, it would be him, but I think he's going to make it. Um, other than that, 
Uh, I, I actually have gotten to like Miles Boykin, so maybe he doesn't make it if he doesn't make the cut at 53. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, my stereo, I think I said that correctly. He says, will Mason Rudolph be on the Steelers for the entire season? If I'm hedging my bet right now, I say yes. I say that he will be on the Steelers roster all season. Amendez says, Pickens had an amazing block Saturday, put the defensive back on his backside. Problem with it was he stood over him and waved. This is a taunting flag in the real game. His maturity was a question coming out of college. Does this become a problem? I don't think it does. Um, I guarantee you he was in the film room. I'm sure we know how um, Frisman Jackson was there, the wide receivers coach. I'm sure Mike Tomlin probably highlighted this and said, great play, and then stupid play followed right after. Uh, You saw the Steelers starting to try and nip some of this stuff in the bud with Connor Hayward. When Connor Hayward had to wear the goat shirt after he, I I think he caught a pass in a two-minute drill situation, and he got up and celebrated, and they made him, he heard about it. And think back to Chase Claypool last year. I'm sure this was addressed. I don't have a problem with it unless it continues. We'll see. Will Caldwell says, hey, Jeff, what's, what is on your wish list from for this week's game outside of the quarterback competition, either by position group or player? My wish list is that the pass blocking, this is very specific, the pass blocking improves without the run game blocking being hindered. I hope that makes sense. I want to see them still be able to run the ball, but do a better job protecting the quarterback. I don't care which quarter it is, what quarterback's in, I want every single group to do their job in that aspect. On defense, just stop the run. Just stop the run. However you have to do it, just stop the run. And obviously, as Corey Eckenroth responded, a clean injury report. Yeah, you always you want, don't want injuries in, in meaningless preseason games. Eric asks, hey, Jeff, enjoy BTSC. Thank you very much. Two questions. Is there a reason why the Steelers refuse to give snaps to Chris Oladokun? I said this on Monday. I'll say it again. I feel like I talk about him more than anyone else. Maybe it was last Friday. Maybe not, not Monday. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then the second question from Eric is, what was the reason for drafting him? I, I know the reason why you drafted him. You, you wanted him to be in the system. You wanted him for after this season. You're hoping to get him on the practice squad. So when Mason Rudolph's contract is up, you have your three quarterbacks for next year. Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and Oladokun. Those would be your three. I just don't know why they refuse to really give any snaps to him. We'll, we'll see if this changes. I, I would assume it would at some point, but I don't know. It's going to be really interesting, and it's been something that's bothered me for a long time, and those that listen know that. David Testa says, is Benny Snell safe, or should he be worried with great performances from Warren, McFarlane, and Teague? Maybe not Teague, but the other two, yeah, he should be worried. He really should be worried. Uh, second question from David, on a scale from 1 to 10, how good did it feel to see some mobility at the quarterback position Saturday? Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being extremely excited, 1 being not very, I'm going to go with 10. Yeah, it was great. It was great watching Kenny Pickett get take the edge, uh, Mitch Trubisky shake off a would-be tackler and get a few extra yards. We haven't seen that as Steeler fans for a really long time, so no, it was great. Nick Clark, who do you think will end up being the return specialist? Anthony McFarland, Gunnar Olszewski, Calvin Austin, Steven Sims, Deontay Johnson, or someone else? Well, I don't think it's Deontay Johnson, although he is the last return specialist to score a touchdown. He did that against the Arizona Cardinals. Steven Sims looked good, but he's going to have to prove more from offense to make the team. I think it's going to be between Gunner Oshevsky and Calvin Austin. 
Anthony McFarlane can do it if he has to, but I don't think that's his forte. And with Anthony Miller, Anthony Miller was the other guy. So I don't think the Steelers have the ability to just keep a return specialist this year. So if someone like Steven Sims, if he can't provide more as a receiver, he's not going to make the team. All right, CK4 asks, with Anthony Miller going to IR, who do you think the fifth and sixth wide receivers to make the 53-man roster will be? So you have the top three, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens. If Calvin Austin is healthy, I think he makes the team. Um, on top of that, I'm going to go with Gunnar Olszewski. I think he makes the team. So there's your fifth. And then the sixth is going to be a battle between Miles Boykin, Steven Sims. They're going to get the player that provides the most bang for their buck at the position. So Miles Boykin, in my opinion, has the inside edge because of his special teams play. So with Gunnar Olszewski making the team, that puts pressure on Steven Sims, like I just talked about. So we'll see how that plays out. Okay, the believers, that's what I'm going to call them because it's something else. Um, Do you see the Steelers making a move before the preseason is over? With questions still at cornerback, inside linebacker, and offensive line, do the Steelers move Mason Rudolph, a wide receiver, Devin Bush, Benny Snell, and try to shore up one of those weak spots? I'm not saying they're not going to make a move. I just don't think it's going to be via trade. So you bring up all those players, Rudolph, Snell, Bush. I just don't think there's going to be a trade. Um, And then the second question about Devin Bush, is he a better fit in a 4-3 where he can flow more? Is it a desire thing? Is he scared to hit? Are we willing to try and figure all this out or just move on already? I want to say he didn't have the D-line in front of him, but that one play was atrocious. But listen to what you just said. Look at the last sentence that you just tweeted. But that one play was atrocious. Now, believers, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's going to answer your question. Have you played any sports in your life? I don't care if it's an individual sport. I don't care if it's a team sport. Let's say it's a sport like baseball. Do you ever have that one play that was atrocious? I don't care if it was high school, whatever. Do you ever have that ground ball if you're a shortstop that goes right in between your legs? How about a golfer? You ever have that shot where you're like, ah, this is going to look good, and next thing you know, you shank it, and it goes 15 yards to the right, and that's it? That's an atrocious play. Players make mistakes. We are talking about one play. That's not, I'm not doing that. So Devin Bush is going to have every opportunity with that defensive line in front of him to make plays. Do I think he's going to do it at this point in my time with watching the Steelers and covering the team? No, I don't think he is, but he deserves that opportunity to do so. But good questions. I, good questions from all my Ride or Die crew. You all did a great job, as you always do. And that does it for me for this Wednesday. I will be back on Friday. No Jerome bets on Friday. Jeremy's on vacation, but I will have someone else stepping in. already know who it is. Be ready for that. We're going to talk about the upcoming game on Saturday. We're going to diagnose what Mike Tomlin said in his press conference on Thursday. Should be a lot of fun. Make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcast, just by searching Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Follow us, whatever you have to do. All right, folks, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday.